0: Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high income earners come to learn wealth building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie.
1: Welcome into today's episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name is Christian Allen, and I'm with my co-host, Rod the Pod Zabriskie. Rod, did you notice that I dropped the Rodney so it rhymed appropriately today? I
2: didn't notice that, but I'm glad you pointed it out because it does, it have <laughs> a little more given, flow. A little more flow.
1: Yeah, well, what's weird is when I say it, it has less flow, but I've been given a hard time from people, <laughs> a, a couple people about that. They're like, well, Rodney doesn't rhyme with pod.
2: It's poetic <laughs> anyway. though, all the same. Okay.
1: All right. Well, anyway, Rod, what's going on, man? How are you?
2: Doing great. I don't, it's a, it's a, kind of a low volume week for me this time no crazy announcements to make so
1: all right well sometimes you need a low-key weekend especially the irony on that rod is 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 thick uh sometimes you need things to be <laughs> low-key right just you're grateful just for it let it go yeah yep. okay so today we're super excited to have Sam prim with us sam's a prolific real estate investor he owns uh a faster freedom he co-hosts a podcast he's got all sorts of stuff going on uh so it was a really fun interview but talk to us rod a little bit about who sam is before we get into the actual interview
2: yeah you know what's funny about sam is he describes himself as an ordinary guy um, but he he's done some pretty impressive things so you talked about and in, a in a short time right yeah so on his real estate portfolio, it's worth you know roughly forty million, right? So so you know no big deal there. Uh, his social media following is enormous. And He has yeah. He, they recently did the podcast, but you know he talked about ten thousand downloads in their first month. So you know it's not Pretty like good. solid world beating, but it's You know it's solid. A great That's start, really good. Great start. Um, and uh, he, he's in the St. Louis area, and one of the things I thought was really cool is his just focus on relationships. So when, when he uh, was building this whole thing, it's not him out there beating his chest. It's him out there surrounding himself with professionals, experts in all kinds of different areas to, to do what he's done. And so he, he kind of focused on that as well. So, and then you mentioned the podcast uh, against, he said a couple months ago, they started it, but it's called ordinary guys, extraordinary results and uh, just a really impressive guy.
1: Yeah, and it was fun. I've listened to a few of the episodes, and I thought it was a lot of fun, so I would encourage people to go check it out. Um, One of the things I liked about Sam is that he's got kind of two facets going on. He's got the digital world, right? He's got the Mm -hmm. social media presence, which is enormous and kind of crazy to have built it up in such a short time. Uh, But then all of his like real estate is very personal touch, local, community, building relationships. So it's kind of interesting. And you know, he's got both of those sides going on, which is really cool. Uh, Okay, Rod, well, without further ado, then let's let's bring in Sam Prim, co-owner of Faster Freedom and co-host of Ordinary Guys Extraordinary Results. We are very excited to have with us Sam Prim, a prolific real estate investor, co-owner of Faster Freedom. He's also the co-host of a popular podcast, Ordinary Guys, Extraordinary Results. So Sam's got a ton of stuff going on. Sam, thanks for coming on with us. We appreciate having you.
3: I appreciate you guys having me. I'm excited to, to dig into some cool topics.
1: Okay, Sam. So the first couple of questions are going to be kind of the get to know you questions, but but maybe a little bit different spin on it. So first off, um, I know I know from other podcasts that I've listened to, you you said you started down a fairly traditional path, went to college, got a job. But here's the question. What was it that flipped the switch? What changed? What created this change from you going from that world to this, this I say new, but world you've been in for a fairly long time now, the world of real estate?
3: Yeah, I think it was just kind of, I was on that path, like you said, of you know, high school, college, job, retire when you're 65, 401k, all, all that stuff that most people are taught. I think it was a combination of things. Part of it was reading some books like Rich Dad Poor Dad and realizing there's other options out there. I didn't even ever think of really becoming an entrepreneur. Like I did, you know, my own lawn mowing business in, in high school and painting business in college. So I did a few things, but those were just uh, for beer money, I Makes guess some, when yeah, I yeah. drunk, they were for beer money. <laughs> but that was more for that. It really wasn't a future path for me, I didn't think. But reading books and seeing other people do it And then also i think a big part of it was that competitiveness that i had growing up playing sports and and doing all that for you know not at you know a prolific professional level but playing competitive sports for 15 years of my life that's a long time to just have those go away so i think college you know and then you know my job for a few years and just missing that because i didn't really get that from my job i enjoyed my job but i wasn't having that competitive drive of you know, trying for something, failing, trying, failing, succeeding and all that. So I think I was looking for an outlet for that competitive spirit in me to go out and try to do more than just what my boss told me to do.
2: Yeah, very cool. And, and what are three things that you've accomplished up to this point in your life that you're genuinely proud of?
3: The biggest thing i'm proud of is, is my family i have a, a wife of 10 years here in a few weeks and then uh two daughters awesome. i got a six-year-old daughter and a six-month-old daughter nice. so those are by far the most important thing and my, my favorite accomplishment you know getting getting that off the table i think that's most people's why and most people <laughs> for doing this um couple biggest accomplishment is I've been able to buy a uh, $40 million worth of real estate without using any of my own money, which is, is, you know, kind of one of those things that just has snowballed. And I don't really know, even though I talk about it all the time that I understand how cool that is and how, mm-hmm. um, you know, life-changing that is for my daughters and their, their kids and their kids, what that will grow into. And then the other thing is that this dang social media thing, you know, I, I, picked up my phone about two years ago and decided to start social media. And I got a a couple million followers uh, between all the platforms. So that's been a, um, that's just been a struggle dealing with the algorithms and the hate and the positivity and just the grind that it takes to grow as you guys know. Uh, So that that's a big accomplishment, because I feel like most people just give up when they hit those roadblocks. But pushing through and seeing the the benefits the other side has been has been pretty, pretty cool to see. Absolutely.
1: That is super cool, and you have a ton of uh, followers on the so in social media. It's impressive, and it's not easy to do. You have to be um, dedicated, right? Like it doesn't just happen by accident. Like you've got to be pretty focused and dedicated. Is that is that your experience?
3: I think the word is you have to be a psychopath, like I am, to just continue <laughs> to do it, right? I mean, after you know, after weeks of or even months of posting on social media, getting fifty views, hundred views, and just continuing to. Either have the drive, the psychosis or the um, competitiveness <laughs> or the stupidity, whatever it is, whatever it is to kind of kind of keep pushing and, uh, you know, analyzing things. And, you know, I spent spent about 30 hours a, a week on social media there for about, you know, six to 12 months to really start to gain traction. Fortunately, I had other businesses that mm. uh, supplemented my you know passive income as well as active income. So I was in a unique situation where I could spend that time. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a lot of grind to get to that point it doesn't happen easily when as you guys probably know I didn't start like athletes or you know movie stars or you know artists or you know whoever it is a a musician they have this huge following from wherever their label or from you know radio or TV Mm -hmm. and then they plug into social media when you're starting out social media from nobody knows your name aside from (laughs) my my first few followers my mom my grandma and my friends like that's where it's really hard is when you're starting from nothing as opposed to starting from a leg up or starting at the beginning like gary b did or you know some of these people that ex professional athlete or musician Mm -hmm. that get into this space you know they have a huge leg up on on the competition so yeah starting at that point um which you know I don't think you guys were probably professional athletes. I mean, Rod looks like he could have been a rock star, maybe like a kid or something. He was, he was a rock (laughs) star. Aside aside from that, yeah, it's pretty tough to start from nothing. You got to bootstrap it.
1: Okay, so before we get into real estate investing, and we're going to talk a lot about that, but give us a couple tips. So I'm mostly like personally interested in this because I've ignored, largely ignored a lot of social media, personal social media for years, and my... My marketing team is like, all right, Christian, we've got to now go out there and build up the, the, like your, your personal brand. Right. So this is like me asking for a, for a personal, for personal gain. Give me some tips on how you did it so that I can, you know, duplicate some of that.
3: Yeah. So being consistent, which I know is a, is a pretty broad answer, but I'll try to, you know, color it in a little bit, but being consistent is extremely important. Even to this day, the, you know the algorithms I study them like crazy, you know, they want me to talk about my debt and you know, my real estate and that's it. And every, I try to, every time I try and venture into personal things or something else, it just, the videos bomb, even though that with a is decent interesting, audience, they still uh. bomb. I, I did, you know, I have 1.7 million followers on TikTok, and I did a video on, uh, uh, my house that I just built. Um, you know, here's how I built this house. Let me give you a quick house tour. It's got like 3000 views, you know, nobody give. no, they, they're not pushing it out. So <laughs> just being consistent, and you know what I did on TikTok was I just posted one uh, video a day for 30 days as I started. Then I went back and looked at the videos that did the best, and then kind of started to double down on, you know, was it the topic? Was it the delivery? Was it the song? What was it? And just really, really started to analyze on, like I said, at like a psychotic mm. level everything <laughs> and you through. So my advice would be, you know, be consistent. Do it as you know yeah. every single day or at least a few times a week go back and look at what you did and really analyze why you think it did well. Cause you know, of course the algorithms have their fun things, where they'll push videos or won't push videos, but in general, good content is not going to get suppressed too much. So mm. going back in and look, looking at that and then just getting comfortable. I think a big thing for me was I tried to do videos like my, like other people like Grant Cardone or like, you know, I'm yeah. uh, buddies with King Kong or Ryan Pineda, some newer social media guys and trying to do videos like them. As soon as I started to just, really just be myself, be authentic, be real and not try to be those guys. Now I don't have the story of those guys, but I have my own story. I'm just pushing Mm -hmm. that out. I'm normal. And that's my story is I'm normal and I did cool stuff. So I think just getting comfortable with myself was a big part of it.
1: Mm, Very cool. Good advice. Okay. You had mentioned one of the things that you've accomplished that you're proud of. It's really cool. You're able to build $40 40 million dollars in your real estate portfolio and I know it was in a relatively short time like a under a 5 year time frame using other people's money. Now I know you you can't get into all of the details but maybe tell us a little bit about how you did it.
3: Yeah, so what I what I've done with houses and apartments and self-storage facilities is you know, the, the Burr method, buy, rehab, mm-hmm. rent, refinance, and repeat, or I changed it to scale. Um, But buy, rehab, rent, refinance, scale, which is finding distressed real estate assets, whether they're houses or apartments, whatever they are, um, you know, using somebody else's money to buy them, and then, you know, either raise rents in the apartment or repair, whatever. And then, you know, after enough value is added to it, then you get a loan from a bank and pay off the person you borrowed the money from. That's an obviously extremely simplified part of it but you're just finding a distressed asset and you're using somebody else's money to buy it and then you know use a bank loan to pay that person off and then you have a 25 30 year mortgage at extremely low interest rate that allows you to cash flow and then real estate do what it do especially recently goes up in value you know Hmm. the price goes up and the, the tenant pays the mortgage down so like one simple clean sentence is you use other people's money to buy cash producing assets then use the cash and the equity those assets produce to pay off the people you borrowed the money from all while you owning the asset so it's it's a pretty simple yet powerful concept once you wrap your mind around yeah. you can literally create as much wealth as you want by using debt it, it's a crazy thing that we're taught the exact opposite growing up
1: yeah and it's almost like you've got it down to like it's formulaic right once you get it down yeah
2: okay so uh economic conditions change from time to time as uh, so tell us about why you believe it's possible to find fund and scale rentals in any market
3: yeah I think because it's all about buying at a discount like I am not one of those doomsdayers you know obviously the market's softening obviously things mm-hmm. are shifting I'm not like in denial but I think I saw a stat the other day that list prices have gone down like Two and a half percent in the past five months, and that, that's list price. A, that's not even the home values. That I can list something for ten times what it's actually worth. List price doesn't really mean anything. Right. But you know, the market is going to shift and soften. So having some perspective and knowing that if I'm all in, seventy-five percent of every asset I buy, that's twenty-five percent equity. That the market can shift a lot. You know, ten percent would be a ginormous shift. Fifteen percent, in my opinion, in you know, twelve to eighteen months. Even if that's the case. That my asset went down 10, 50% in value, I still have equity built in. I'm still collecting rent. As long as you're not over leveraged and you manage your properties properly and have pride in ownership, I collected 98% of rent during COVID because I'm not a slumlord. I communicate with my tenants. I treated them fair. I really, really, you know, ran them through the coals before I approved them. And you know, we respect each other for the mo- you know for the most part they respect me. Not always, but you know, just having a good base foundation of cash producing real estate that people have to rent no matter what even I think rent's gone up every year on national average every year since 1900 except one year so rents are going to continue to be collected they're going to continue to go up at, along with inflation and as long as you're managing the asset properly who cares what it's worth my 40 million dollar real estate next year could be worth 35 million guess what in 20 years I promise it's going to be probably worth 75 million so even if I stop buying now so real estate, you know, doubles in value every 15 years going back to 1900. So just getting, jumping on that asset and managing it properly, I think is the key part and having good banking relationships. It's not bulletproof. It's not, you know, depression or recession proof, but it's, it's pretty darn close. If I told you, Rod, you could buy a, a stock that's guaranteed to double in value every 15 years, you'd think it's, you know, a made up stock, but that's what real yeah. estate is. You just got to manage it properly and, and, you know, not, you know, lose sight of what's important.
2: So follow up to that. How quickly are you moving from uh, other hundred percent other people's money to the bank loan?
3: So on oh, my single, yeah my single family rentals, it's usually like two to four months. You know, buy, fix okay. it up, and get a refinance so On my apartment complexes, it's uh, like a eighteen month to thirty six month play. We we okay. buy twenty percent down using uh, private lenders, eighty percent down with bank funding, and then you know over those first year to three years, we're adding value by increasing rents to about 90% of market. We like to be a little bit below market rent, but, you know, we're obviously buying it in our analysis well below market rent and then minor fixes and getting efficient with expenses using our software and our in-house management team allows that net income to grow pretty quickly, pretty, uh, you know, substantially that creates enough equity that, that at that point we refinance and pay back our private lender.
1: Got it. Hmm. How are you guys handling like the property management? Just out of curiosity.
3: So we've done a few different things. You know, at first, uh, by business partner Luke's and I had full time jobs, so we hired it out from day one. Uh, it was mm-hmm. fine, didn't love it. You know, we had a few rentals, but eventually we took it in house. You know, hired nice. somebody part time to do it, and that's grown into a pretty good team. We have about two hundred seventy five rental doors, so we have a uh, we. Started two companies: one that manages our 140 single-family houses, and the other one that manages our 135, whatever it is, apartment complex doors. So, just in-house teams of three or four that manage those two different asset classes. Uh, you know, they're sitting right out there outside my office door. So, we're just basically started our own property management company.
1: So, are are your uh, most of your stuff in the same geographic area?
3: Yeah, it's, it's all in St. Louis. It's all, all the same area.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, so most of most of the people listening to our show are existing real estate investors. A lot of them do like syndication investing and things like that. Um, but there's obviously going to be people who who just are trying to figure out how to get started. They're trying to get over the hump and and so I guess my question is this is you know you've been doing it now for five years, but like maybe talk about what helped you get over the hump or any advice you could give to somebody who's, in that place where they're wanting to get moving. They're wanting to start investing, but just having a hard time.
3: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is you got to connect with the community, whether I think it's ideally investing locally, if you can, you know, obviously you can invest nationally in other markets, but locally, the market you live in and grew up in, it's almost like insider trading. You have insider knowledge of the market and the trends compared to, you know, these big national companies or other bigger people that are kind of looking around everywhere else. So I suggest locally, if possible, you know, if it's not possible, you're not gonna be able to do a bird deal in downtown LA. I understand that, but if possible locally, but then plugging into whatever that community is, getting involved in your local meetups, your local Facebook groups, going out and meeting people that are actively investing. You're gonna learn through osmosis, but if you go to your local meetup, You're going to meet uh, a hard money lender. You're probably going to meet private money lenders. You're going to meet a contractor. You're going to meet a bank. You're going to meet an insurance agent. You're going to meet real estate agents. You're going to meet wholesalers. Like it's crazy. People that don't know about the meetups, literally, everybody you're going to want to meet goes to them. And they're not the people that are behind a keyboard, you know, maybe investing. They're out, they're getting in their cars and they're driving to these meetups so they're active investors so number one is get involved in your local community and number two would be leaning on other people's knowledge so many people are so i don't know if it's stubborn or naive or what it is but whether it's paid or not leaning on somebody else's knowledge and experience via a mentorship a mastermind i don't know one ultra successful person that doesn't lean on somebody else's knowledge as an expert in the space i always use the tom brady analogy i'm you know not like a huge Tom Brady fan but everybody kind of agrees he's the best ever he has like eight coaches he's the best ever to play quarterback but he still is not um you know he's not naive enough or not big-headed enough to think I know nutrition better than nutritionist I know flexibility and arm angles you know better than some. he knows that other people are more knowledgeable than him so he brings them into the fold so he can up his game so many people like I don't need this course or this help I'm going to you know figure it out on my own and then they stumble through the first two deals and quit, as opposed to, you know, leaning on other people's knowledge and spending a little bit of money to get a 100x return by sticking with it and finding the most efficient path possible. So um, those are my two. There's obviously a million things people can do, yeah. but leaning on the community and then leaning on other people's knowledge. It doesn't have to be a paid mentorship, but some type of community of people that are doing it will make all the difference in the world.
2: Hmm. Yeah, it's great advice. Okay. So uh, we often talk about debt in the sense of uh, there's good debt and bad debt, right? A lot of the strategies we use include using debt. So we, we're believers. Uh, we, we often refer to it as conservative debt. So in your mind, how do we make sure we're only taking on good debt?
3: Yeah. So I look at it, you know, trying to keep things as simple as possible. So um debt is borrowing money I think we agree on that right Mm -hmm. so debt is borrowing money so good debt is borrowing money to buy uh, an asset that produces cash and grows in value bad debt is borrowing money to buy something that you know either doesn't produce cash or doesn't grow in value you can buy your personal house not producing cash for you but it's growing in value so it's kind of in the middle but in general an apartment complex a business uh, a single family rental, if you're borrowing money to buy something that, you know, assuming you're managing it properly, goes up in value and produces cash. That's good. That That's how you create wealth. That's how Amazon started. That's how Facebook started. Mm-hmm. These big companies don't they didn't start with, you know, millions and trillions of dollars. They borrowed money from angel investors, from banks, from friends, from family. And they started to build companies that produce cash and grew in value. I'm not smart enough to start Amazon, so I just stick to housing. So that's what you know. We all—it's a level playing field for all of us. I think we all can understand how to buy and rent housing and apartments. So it's taking what these billionaires have done and these companies have done—Apple, all these companies—but dumbing it down to a simple level of real estate and shelter. So that's that's what good that is. and then bad debt, you know, is borrowing money to buy something that's not going to do that. You know, I have a, yeah. a, a few vehicles. My wife rides a nice car. I borrowed money at two percent rather than wrote a hundred thousand dollar check so I think you know bad debt is um if you have cash and you can afford it it's not a bad thing it's just not a way to create wealth I, I love debt. I think leveraging other people's money and information and knowledge at uh, low cost is the way to, to to live life to buy your house to buy your cars to buy your vacation house to invest but just people get in trouble when they borrow people's money to buy something they can't afford or to buy something that doesn't produce cash and grow in right. value so Long-winded answer. Those are kind of the ways I look at it. That's great.
1: Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Two questions about deals. So the the first one is about how how are you getting your deals funded these days? And 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 I know like you know the markets are changing and stuff. But maybe maybe you can just talk about how you've done it. You know, at realizing that there's there's going to be change. But how have you done it up to this point?
3: Yeah, up to this point, we've used private lenders for the down payments, um, for the entire pay- payments. If it's been a single-family burst deal, for the apartment complexes, we use them for the 20 or 25 percent down. Use a little bit of hard money for, um, you know, the single-family rental property. So, you know, the short-term funding has been hard money and private money, mainly private. And then the long-term funding has been mainly small local banks, still or regional banks. We've got a couple of deals, some um, agency debt, some some Freddie debt, but in general, it's been you know, just small local banks that you build relationships with, because these small local banks, people don't, most people, I guess, will understand that they can almost literally do whatever they want. If they're not selling it off on the secondary market, they don't have to have a uh, seasoning period. They don't have to have arms. We took our entire portfolio in 2020 and refinanced it on one note. And the local bank gave us 30-year amortization at a 10-year arm, you know, at an extremely a low interest rate and allowed us to cash out you know a million dollars so that's hmm. the things like that can't be done with these big banks or you know with, with a lot of lenders so building relationships with these small local banks uh is yeah. the way to go in my opinion and that's what i'm going to continue to do as the market shifts and as things change you know interest rates are going to go up a little bit. They obviously have gone up a lot, but just factoring that in along with rent increases and things like that. So I'm not planning to change a ton. I'm not, you know, over leveraging. Mm-hmm. I'm not borrowing hundred percent of the value of something. I'm still usually borrowing 75% of the value, just been able to, you know, get them at a discount. So I'm, I'm, not looking to do a ton, but those are kind of the sources are the, 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 you know, short-term and long-term lending. Yeah. Good stuff.
2: Yeah. How do the traditional lenders view the hard money lending. So, if if you're doing if you're doing the 20% down through the hard money, then how do the traditional lenders that are, that are lending the 80% view that?
3: So, when we do when we put the 20% down on the apartments, that's always private money. We don't use hard money for that cuz most of the hard lending companies we work we work with uh, you know, they're they're not going to want to be in second position. So, yeah. private lenders are usually, you know, it's a relational business relational relational transaction they understand the risks and the rewards of being in second position so we, we obviously explain that to them very well and protect them at all costs and lengths um, we borrowed over 50 million dollars between our flipping company and our rentals you know in and out and you know we're always made paid our lenders back whether we made money or not so having that track record you know makes private lenders comfortable to be in the second position but you know the institutional not the exact right word but the banks and the hard money the companies yeah. that lend money yeah they're we we um aren't, you know, aren't able to have either of them in second position. So um, if we use hard money lender, it's going to be 100% of purchase price and maybe rehab on, on their deal.
2: Okay. So you, you, I think you addressed this a little bit earlier as far as, as finding deals um, and and kind of ha- for how people can get started with with relationships and things like that. But in a in a market like now, h- how would you suggest people go
3: about finding deals? Yeah. So I th- deals, in, in my opinion, are, all right, in my opinion and what i've seen over the past two or three months have been easier to come by a lot of the mm-hmm. fly-by-nighters the weekend warriors the people that have got in the space over the past two years that have overpaid and over rehab and still made money because the market carried them and kind of at mm-hmm. their back a lot of those people are scared because of what they read or see or hear and or they just you know have had a tight deal or two because the market shifted so deals have been easier to come by But we are going to buy probably 300 houses this year in our flipping company and 175 of them are going to jump strictly from networking zero dollars in marketing spend so that's where especially newer investors in my pick need to start rather than spending money on an email or on or not email, but on like a direct mail campaign yeah. or like Facebook ads or something like that, rather than spending the money and having to deal with the calls and negotiating, just let somebody else do that for you and just deal with wholesalers or real estate agents that are, are in direct communication with the sellers and do that all for you. So spending some time networking at your local meetups and on the Facebook groups and just in general talking to people is the first place to start, you know, for your wholesalers and your real estate agents and even brokers. Our uh, our last four apartment complex deals that came from the same broker that we've been working on the relationship with for the last two years. So, just getting you know around the people that are around the deals is the easiest and best source, no matter what the market's doing. But mm-hmm. If you're going to spend a little bit of money driving for dollars or you know direct mail campaigns or you know Facebook ads or something like that, it's a pretty inexpensive way to get across deals. But it's not your full-time job you can't send one direct mail batch out and get you know a ton of buys you're gonna have to do consistently for months on end so if you're not committed to spending you know a few thousand dollars a month probably just let that go and just deal on building relationships
2: yeah sounds like a pretty consistent answer relationships
3: Gravy. it's the gravy train is what we call it you build relationship (laughs) with 10 wholesalers that are consistently bringing you deals that's yeah our buyers do that's 20 25 deals a year for however long you want to keep those relationships going and they're free so I mean, maybe got to go grab a beer with them or something and continue the relationship but other than that it's a pretty inexpensive way to do it
1: nice so sam i haven't done much with the like in the meetup so they're pretty pretty easy to find are they common like is it is it something that most most markets are just going to be easily you can easily tap into
3: yeah every market has one or markets with at least you know maybe a hundred thousand yeah. like but yeah just meetup.com or on your local facebook groups, just asking where the local meetup is or just googling them yeah they're they're mainly focused on the single family game not as much a multi-family game a little lower barrier of entry for most people but there's multi-family yeah. ones there's you know syndication ones there's single family ones so they're just people connecting and experienced investors that are doing deals understand the power of having a strong network so Jump on what they're already doing. If you're new, go go do what they're started what they're doing. Our meetup has two. We have one here in St. Louis. has 250 people every single month coming, and Mm. you know Mm. we give as much as we can away. You know the knowledge, the information. We buy buy dinner for everybody. There's a cash bar. Everyone just has fun, and you know networks and deals are done there every single month. So it's a fun thing to do as well.
1: Okay, Sam. So I have I listened to you on a podcast a couple weeks ago, and you had a cool acronym for scale. Everybody loves to scale the business. You added scale to the Burrs method. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what scale means for you.
3: Yeah. So the origin of it was, you know, the Burr method, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And repeat to me is just go back and do what you did. That's, you know, that's cool. But where does the growth come? Where does the scaling come? Where does the, you know, tangible efficiencies come from? So I got the thinking and went through several acronyms um, and ended up coming up with a decent one for scale because if somebody wants to scale i think most people that are listening to this podcast that are investing they want to do more than one deal and they want financial freedom and time absolutely they don't just want to have a few so in order to do that you need a scale so scaling like the burr's method is an acronym and i think it kind of pretty much works for any business it's worked for all of our businesses that's kind of how i got to, it. of our $40 million in real estate, we bought 25 of it, 25 million in the past 15 months. Cause we've scaled that business. We've scaled our rentals, I've scaled my education. So this is how I've done it. Um, So the S in scale stands for systems, systems and processes going back and creating systems around every step. It's, it's not the most fun part. So if you're not a systems person, I'd hire somebody or Mm -hmm. partner with somebody that is, but if you can create systems around, let's say rehabbing houses, for example, you're naturally going to get more efficient if you have a scope of work spreadsheet and you know a contractor spreadsheet and, and you know ways to get lean releases and all this stuff that goes into rehabbing that people don't think about. If you have systems to get them done efficiently, maybe that rehab takes three months rather than five months and then eventually two months. And then you can do five in a year rather than two in a year. So things like that, it, mm-hmm. it's the least fun, but probably the most important part is creating systems no matter what your business is, but real estate we're talking now, around yeah. whatever you do in your real estate, whether it's you know, buying or rehabbing or whatever it is. And then the C stands for coaching, you know, leaning on your coaching, leaning on community, having somebody else that's already been there, showing you the most efficient path possible, just keeping you out of the out of the gutters, keeping you, you know out of the ditches, just keeping you in the lane. So leaning on coaching, leaning on other people's knowledge is the C. The A is the most fun part, taking action. You gotta go out and take action. People learn a ton from your guys' podcasts. People learn a ton from coaching programs, but you're gonna learn 80% of it on the job. You have to get over the analysis process. You have to go out and take action and screw up and make mistakes and fall forward and learn on the job. So that's the A is taking action. Uh, the l is lead flow you got to increase your lead flow it's a numbers game whether it's apartments or houses you're going to have to look at 10 to 15 before you buy one if you want to buy 10 houses this year you can but you got to look at more than 10 you got to look at 100 or 75 so you have to do things to increase your lead flow whether that be spending money on marketing whether that be doubling down on going to meetups and building relationships you just have to get the top of the funnel full with leads if you wanted to trickle down to assets and then the e is extra funding you know, it's not just funding, it's extra funding. You need multiple private lenders. You need multiple hard money lenders. You need multiple small local banks or connections with agency debt. Whatever it is, you need to have multiple places to go to when a good deal comes across your plate, money's not the reason you're not buying it. The reason you're not buying deals is you don't have deals. You don't want a home run to come across your plate and you don't have the funding for it. So even if you don't have a deal, get extra funding lined up at Mm. All stages, private, hard money, and then you know longer-term debt. Just build all that out. It takes time. But if you can have like that scale acronym to kind of follow, at least guide you along the way, hopefully that'll help you be able to scale a little bit quicker.
1: Mm. I like that. When I heard it the first time, I thought it was brilliant. So it was systems, coaching, action, lead flow, and extra funding. Did I get it right? Awesome. You got
3: it. You're a quick learner. I don't care what yeah. Rod says about you. Quick, yeah.
1: <laughs> as long as I have something to... Cheat with, and I'm pretty good. I'm pretty there you good.
3: Go. I like it.
2: <laughs> okay, so tell us a little about your company, Faster Freedom.
3: Yeah, so Faster Freedom was that that social media that education um, deal that I talked a little bit about uh, earlier about two years ago. Rentals were doing pretty good. Our flipping company was, you know, I think probably doing like 150, 175 houses um, a year. So the active income was was coming in pretty good, and the the long term income was was coming in as well the wealth was being built but being my business partner who all the stuff I've talked about we own 50 50 it was come to the point where we had great people hired to run the companies and we were each working but it was like let's divide and conquer and let's try to start a new revenue stream you run yeah. the flipping companies and I'll start this education deal because we had posted on Facebook a couple of times about some deals we were doing and people were flooding our inbox with questions and comments and you know likes and shares and it it got some momentum because we're actually doing it you know we're not just talking about it we're actually we're out there doing it so I decided just to start to grow social media following so summer of 2020 started to you know YouTube first that was slow so I decided to get on Instagram and then this TikTok thing I decided to start that Mm -hmm. Um, and then just started to build an audience over the past two-ish years Um, and then a about a year ago decided to, to throw in a mentorship because I, at first it was just I was growing an audience I wasn't trying to monetize anybody I'm just mm-hmm. like here's free information take it or leave it here's what I've done that works do this or don't do that and it started to people resonate with that not trying to be sold something every two minutes but I had so many people that wanted a mastermind or a mentorship or coaching so I developed a program for that that we launched about a year ago and. A little less than a year ago, we have, you know, 750 students now. So a lot of, a lot of students, a lot of people really, really crushing it. It's on how to, you know, build a run portfolio without using any of your own money. So um, the goal is still just the big brand, faster freedom. The goal is to be, you know, top five real estate investing brands, you know, bigger pockets, rich dead poor dad, faster freedom to be in that realm within the next four years. And we're, I think we're well on our way, but yeah, the, the, the goal is just to provide as much free information as possible, give tax, you know, you know tactical and you know tangible things for people to go do and then a certain percentage of those people are going to want more so we have a product for that now so it's a pretty pretty soft sales pitch on our end yeah,
2: yeah cool. very
1: cool so you're providing a whole lot of free education content and then for that person who wants to like really get into the nuts and bolts of how you've done it that's where they get into faster freedom and take it take it to another level Does that sound
3: yeah accurate? exactly you know yeah nice. i mean most information's out there but somebody needs it packaged in oh you know, yeah for sure exact right formula and you know exactly what to do and coaching calls and you know points of contacts and contracts and leases all that stuff that you can't really give awesome. away on social media and you don't have that captive audience that somebody spending money that the transformations in the transaction i could give it away for free but if i charge for it they're going to take action um, action on it and it's just you know cra- categorized for them to go out and actually just hit the ground running
1: yeah that's awesome Okay. Tell us a little bit about Ordinary Guys, Extraordinary Wealth. What was the inspiration behind the podcast?
3: Yeah, the podcast. So we just launched it um, uh, a little over a month ago. So I've been wanting to do it for a while, but didn't have the time and it wasn't just going to you know, half-ass it, I guess, for lack of a better word. So we've been developing it for a few months now and just just launched it uh, about... 40 days ago, we launched on the 10th of last month. So it's been really fun. Uh, we started, uh, you know, with a few episodes, to get the ball rolling and now we're doing two a week and it's me and Lucas, he does his, the flipping stuff. I'm, um, you know, the, the education. So it's the time for us to kind of talk and hang out. We've been friends since middle school. So mm-hmm. we're just having fun talking, hanging out. It's It's got off to a pretty good start. Um, it, was, it was ranked pretty good at first and just kind of building that momentum. But it's just, awesome. as you guys know, on podcasts, you can really develop a relationship with your audience on on in 10 minutes on TikTok. Literally, somebody's going to see maybe 75 different people, and on Instagram maybe 20. And but on podcasts or YouTube, you're just going to see that one person really develop a relationship. So it's just a chance for us to let down our hair, even though Lucas doesn't have any hair, but let down our hair a little bit and just <laughs> just have fun and make fun of each other, and uh, you know just talk about our experiences and try to you know guide people along the path and have fun with it. So it's been it's been a lot of fun.
1: Awesome. I listened to it and I can verify it was fun. It was cool to listen to. So you guys did a good job. Um, Okay. Did we cover all the ways that people can work with you?
3: Yeah. I just follow me at, you know, like at saying faster freedom on whatever social you're on and um, I'm happy on Instagram if you want any more information, but yeah, just enjoy. Obviously your guys' podcast is awesome. So hopefully they continue to listen and I'll give you guys a five star rating. And then if they have any more interest to check out our our podcast as well Um, and just, you know, just dig in and, like anything else, I, I encourage people to just poke around if they like it, sit around, if not, no big deal, no pressure.
1: Awesome. Sam, you've been you've been a lot of fun to have on. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. We appreciate it. Appreciate being all. Awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit MoneyInsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.